Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. I think the biggest voice there, nice from LeBron to AD. The bounce pass here, LeBron James to the unibrow AD. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, with regards to all of the annoying and overdramatic anti-Lakers sentiment and rhetoric that the outside media has continually tried to push, at the end of the day, a brow in the hand is worth two in your tush. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's how that phrase goes. Isn't that right, Alan? That's that's how I grew grew up hearing it, so uh, (laughs) it's got to be right. Did you like my haiku? I mean, I am half Japanese, so I'm quite familiar with the the haiku as a form of art. Awesome. By the way, Alan's back. Alan Riley, welcome back to the show. What up, Jonathan? <laughs> Do you want to tell everybody how to spell my name? I mean, it it doesn't bother me, so uh if you want to keep calling me A L L E N, by all means, go for it. It's A L A N though. The the correct way. Thanks for clearing that up, Alan. I hope no one thinks on Twitter I was actually bothered by that. <laughs> I could not care less if you spell my name incorrectly. It's yeah. totally fine. The only thing that matters, Alan, is that you're back with us. You're back at just the right time. Because we have Anthony Davis. I mean, that's pretty much why I disappeared. <laughs> 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 just, just, just call me when something good happens. <laughs> Yeah, man, the last time you were on, it was back in March, and we were just talking about trying to find silver linings for the fact that the Lakers were not going to make the playoffs. And, uh, I mean, we turned out to be a bit nostradamus because back then we were like, 
it just wasn't in the cards for the Lakers this year. They had a bunch of injuries, so even if they had made made the playoffs or were in contention to make the playoffs, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball wouldn't have been able to play. But as a consequence to all that, we have a chance at getting a top four pick, and we ended up getting literally the number four pick, which helped us get Anthony Davis. So here we are. Alan, how are you doing, and uh, what have you been busy with? Why why have you left us? Uh, (laughs) I didn't leave. I I was just um, taking a little unintentional hiatus i guess um so i I don't know i was just really busy with my taiko drumming i think everyone who's listened to us for at least a little while knows that i do that and uh yeah i just had a lot of rehearsals about 10 hours a week's worth every single week so um that occupied most of my weeknights uh after work hey alan yeah so i guess you could say you've been busy with Taco Tuesday! <laughs> Taco Tuesday! And then I'll skip the next part. <laughs> As a Japanese person would say, Taco Tuesday! <laughs> Taco Tuesday! <laughs> Alright, alright, let's, let's, let's cut to the chase. Anybody who's new and has never actually heard you, Alan's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and I'm deleting this episode, this freaking idiot. <laughs> Hey, no, Al- Alan is a great contributor. He is part of our OG crew here at the Lakers Legacy Podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I failed to mention that, actually, a lot of the time. So uh, Tommy, unfortunately, is not here with us tonight. But, you know, this is pretty much the day after tomorrow. Um, that's not the right phrase, but the day <laughs> um, the, d- the day after yesterday <laughs> with regards what? to, you know, the huge Anthony Davis. The day after yesterday. <laughs> Yes, it is, because yesterday was yesterday, and today is today, so. But yeah, we still have Anthony Davis, and I guess, Alan, we can start with this. Just your initial guttural reactions, and I know it's been a whirlwind tour for you, like a literal roller coaster, a lot of which has just gone straight down and has been a free fall with regards to, you know, the way the Lakers season ended, the Magic Johnson exit, the Rob Palenka front office crap that's been going on, the coaching search debacle. God, I missed all of that. What happened? Can you catch me up? (laughs) No. And then the Anthony Davis thing happened, and it's one of those, you know, it's always darkest just before the dawn, but... Is that like a Batman reference to Heath Ledger, to Rob Palenka? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it is, and... uh... We were born in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Anthony Davis... Um, so yeah, Alan, if you could let me know how you're feeling, like, where were you when the Anthony Davis thing happened and, uh, how you're dealing with the mix of emotions of, you know, losing Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, but also understanding that our franchise has been, has been changed for the next era, the next generation. Well, I was at my aunt and uncle's house on Saturday celebrating Father's Day a day early and, um... (laughs) it's really funny without going on too long about it. One of my cousins uh, just had her first baby um, three months old. Now it's the first one within like that generation, you know? So everyone was like super excited. My family to meet this child. And um, so they live in Las Vegas. Yeah. So a lot of my family members haven't met her yet. Everyone's super excited. Um, I was being incredibly sociable, like with my entire family, and uh, just playing with the baby and stuff like that. And then the news dropped, and I swear for, like, 
the next hour, I basically didn't talk to anybody except for a couple of my cousins who were really, really into the Lakers as well. But really, the three of us were just on Twitter for the next hour, hour and a half. And it's funny because you know usually when we get together for family stuff, it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, stuff like that. So there's either basketball on, there's football. Well, right in the middle of summer, like there really isn't much. I mean, there's baseball, but the Dodgers weren't even playing at that time. So there's nothing on television. But then we immediately like turned it to Sports Center and we're just trying to listen to all the interviews and stuff. So that's how it went down. Um I I yeah, I became super asocial for about ninety minutes with my entire family and ignored the baby. But um it was it was pretty surreal. Um Can you compare it to anything that we've experienced in the past? I mean, I I try to liken this to the Dwight Howard saga where it, it mm. was like a year's worth of Dwight Howard's going to become a Laker, but when is it going to happen? And it, and then it kind of dragged on till August. And in a way, I guess this dragged on because it felt like it was going to happen back in February. Um, but then for it to actually happen, uh, it's a whole brand new feeling. Obviously, we, we weren't as fortunate as we were back then with the Dwight Howard deal because somehow, you know, there was some talk that we may lose both Andrew Bynum and Pau Gasol. And then the deal hit and we were like, wait, we're keeping Pal." I think some of us held on to the hope that we'd be able to keep one of Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. But unfortunately, that didn't end up being the case. But I think the general sentiment still stands that it was still surreal, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I feel like whenever these things happen, I'm never just in a normal place. You know, like you're not just sitting in front of your computer or whatever. You're always preoccupied doing something or um there's something like i remember where i've been at for pretty much every significant trade and um this was no exception obviously so in terms of a comparison oddly it feels similar to all those other ones like the steve nash um i remember it was like fourth of july right yeah i think we hung out afterwards yeah (laughs) yeah i feel like there's always like something going on so um in in that sense because it came out of nowhere i wasn't just happened to be scrolling on twitter when it went down um that was familiar but as far as like a specific uh transaction or whatever i mean it's it's not like lebron last year because i mean it's similar in that we knew it was going to happen right like it was kind of inevitable but at the same time i don't know it's kind of different though it's hard to put my finger on it Sure, sure. That's fair. Uh, before we get any further into things and I get ask you about your thoughts with regards to the young core and I guess this, just the deal structure itself, um, as usual, first, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us on iTunes, the more players on next year's team will attempt to grow a unibrow in honor of the brow on their heads and maybe other places too, if you know what I'm saying, which I don't even know what I'm saying. I know exactly what you're saying. Great. Um, Also, patreon.com slash the Lakers legacy podcast is the place to go. If you'd like to help us out financially in any small way and get special perks like early listens to our summer content. And also, as I've said, Tommy is getting married in July. The proceeds for the next two months or so will be going straight to Tommy. Obviously, he he won't need the money because not that much, but just a show of appreciation to show him and his fiance and future wife. Hey, there are actually listeners who appreciate our work and his work. So if you'd like to, in this time span, donate a dollar, donate $2, and then also, as you donate, add a congratulatory remark to Tommy. That would be great. With that said, Alan, what were your thoughts about the deal? 
like I mentioned, it's not like the Dwight Howard deal where we won. And then we didn't, obviously, because of what transpired right after that. But in the moment, we won that deal for sure. This one was, there was a little more tension involved. And and in some cases, some Lakers fans feel like we lost the trade. Uh, Tommy and I discussed already that it, (laughs) sure. I think with regards to who the Lakers were competing against, that was very ambiguous to say the least. And we're not even sure if there were concrete offers. And if there there were concrete offers, the Lakers probably still could have easily beat it. But they had some odds stacked against them with regards to the fact that they were dealing with a New Orleans Pelicans franchise that had already felt slighted by them and by Rich Paul and Clutch. So that dynamic was in play. Gail Benson, before David Griffin had taken office, already had that sentiment that she didn't want to deal with the Lakers at all, right? Which is why we didn't anticipate a deal even happening or or the Lakers and Pelicans being able to re-engage with each other. I, I guess because of that, David Griffin had some leverage, even though there wasn't any other competing offer. So he knew he could kind of squeeze the Lakers' arm. And David Griffin's leverage was the fact that he had Anthony Davis, this Hall of Famer who's only 26 years old and about to enter his prime. And I think he also preyed off of the fact that the Lakers, I mean, let's just be honest, were kind of desperate. And they needed this extra boost to... uh push us into free agency with our best foot forward, with our most confident foot forward. Um, And I think he knew Rob Palinka, based off of everything that's happened this summer, also needed this W. But with that came a heavy cost, and that was number four pick, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, a top eight protected pick in 2021, and top eight in reversal. (laughs) Like, the Pelicans get the pick if the Lakers are in the lottery, in the the top eight slots. And then 2022, that pick is unprotected completely. 2023, they have the option to pick swap with us. And then 2024, another unprotected pick, which the Pelicans can also defer to 2025. So in total, that is a huge package. Not too unlike the Godfather package that we presented Dell Demps back in February, but Probably comparable, given the fact that the Lakers all of a sudden were awarded the number four pick. But yeah, in your sense, with with everything that's happened and the fact that the Lakers had to pay a, a steep price, how do you feel about the deal? Are you a bit disappointed that we weren't able to keep one of the young core guys? Or were you already of the mindset that, hey, it was just going to take everything and somehow we kept Kuzma? Yeah, uh, definitely the latter. Um, <clears throat> I mean, when you texted Tommy and, you, Tommy and me, you were like, we kept Kuz. And um, in all caps with an exclamation yeah. mark. So I felt the same way. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, we actually salvaged, you know, a significant piece. Um, if you were to ask, if you were to tell me, like, the day before, oh, we're going to acquire him through a trade tomorrow, I would say, oh, crap, we're probably going to give up everything, you know, and I would have already been uh, resigned to that. So the fact that we were able to salvage something uh, was good. What caught me off guard, I think, like a lot of people, was how many picks uh, we gave. Yeah. Um, everyone at my family gathering who understands basketball is like, holy crap, like that, that's a lot of draft picks. But, um, because we were caught up in our emotions, like, ah, whatever, screw it. Like we got freaking Anthony Davis. And, uh, at the end of the day, I would say that I feel, I still feel similarly to that. I mean, Anthony Davis is 26 years old, right? Like that's the thing that very few people are pointing out as far as detractors of the trade. Um, 
he's actually in his prime right now. And one could argue that maybe he's truly entering like the thick of his prime at this point. So um, it's not like we're getting some old vet. Um, yeah, he has injury problems, but he's a young guy, right? And this is not just a win now type move, but it is a future oriented move as well. So um, yep. yeah, you, you got to give up to get a lot, right? Yeah. What are your thoughts about Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, these guys who we sort of heavily invested in and the rebuild has been part of our lives for the last six years and they were literally the last remnants of Lakers draft nerdism. Um, literally, Kuzma's the only one left, like yeah. D'Angelo, uh, Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, Ivica Zubats, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. Thomas Bryant, like they were all casualties to Jordan the Lakers. Jordan Clarkson, sort of, Larry Nance. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Larry Nance, yeah. They were all casualties to the Lakers sort of on the fly trying to rebuild this roster to fit a LeBron James-led team's timeline. So are, are you sad about losing Lonzo Ball and, and Brandon Ingram, especially you, because I know you were a huge Lonzo Ball fan and followed his career, you know, from UCLA onward, or even maybe even, even Chino Hills when we talked to his, his high school coach, Steve Bake, but uh, just your sentiments about losing those guys. Yeah, um, definitely bummed out. Um, I don't think being excited about Anthony Davis coming here, you know, has to be like mutually exclusive to being sad. Um, sure. So as you said, we all <laughs> put in a lot of emotion, you know, even going beyond like how much time we spent quote unquote researching or whatever. Um, I mean, these were guys that it's kind of like back in the day, I'm assuming if um, you're a Laker fan and kind of old enough to understand like Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, like I remember being however old elementary school and being really sad when the Lakers got rid of them, but I didn't even understand anything. You know what I mean? So I viewed this as, okay, now I'm an adult <laughs> and I can understand um, what it's like to see players grow up in front of your own eyes. I mean, we didn't even really see Kobe grow up in front of our own eyes because we were very young. So mm -hmm. the possibility of kind of being in the trenches with them through thick and thin, blah, 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 um, was exciting. And now that they're gone, I mean, just like anything, it, it kind of feels like a breakup. <laughs> and yeah. But there's, there's a time for, for everything, right? And if we just had them for a short season or whatever. I mean, it was still very enjoyable and um, we're just going to have to be content with watching them grow from afar. Obviously, uh, just like with D'Angelo and Julius, like, you know, we, we hope that they play extremely well. Um, and there are going to be times I think where I don't think we're going to have regret with these guys, but it's going to be that bittersweet feeling for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, just to give people a quick lay of the land with regards to this episode, we'll, we'll continue to suss through Alan's thoughts and sentiments on this deal. Um, but right after that, we'll give people an update on some of the specifics that have come out over the last day or so with regards to this trade um, and some technicalities that are involved with the timing, the media and opposing fan bases overreacting to this trade and how the goalposts have moved. I know Lakers fans love that and could sense that coming. Um, 
And then quickly to end the show, believe it or not, this is the penultimate episode before the NBA draft. And we'll talk about some potential maybe undrafted free agents that the Lakers could look at or second rounders should they choose to buy into the second round or maybe the first round. Who knows? All we know is that for the Lakers, it'll be the draft will be more of a outside looking in scenario where they can stand by and sort of watch how the league reacts to the Anthony Davis domino and bomb that they just dropped on them. So from that end, it'll be still be very interesting. Yeah, but before we get to the logistical updates on the timeline and everything, Alan, let's just talk about Rob Palenka because Tommy and I, I think we're in agreement that the Lakers overpaid, especially in relation to who they were competing against, which means they weren't competing against very strong offers. The New York Knicks had bowed out Uh, The Brooklyn Nets had kind of honed their sights in on Kyrie Irving and had given up first round picks that they could have used in an Anthony Davis trade. So in a sense, they were kind of out as well. Boston Celtics clearly know that Kyrie Irving's gone um, and weren't willing to risk also giving up Tatum um, in an Anthony Davis rental, potential rental, or as Rich Paul would say, a definite rental. So, I mean, the market out there was pretty weak. There's always a chance of a dark horse coming around, you know, in the next few weeks or so, especially if the Lakers strike out in free agency. But, I mean, by all accounts, in this period of time, the Lakers were really competing against themselves. So in that sense, are you kind of disappointed in the way that Rob Palenka wasn't able to get the most optimal result from this? Or are you just of the mindset that, Look, he did what he had to get done. It was very costly. There is risk involved with those future picks. But when you look at a a superstar like Anthony Davis, who's only 26, you rarely see a guy like that on the market as a potential trade asset that you can get when he hasn't even hit his prime or is squarely in his prime. I I think he's had to do what he had to do, you know? Um, I mean, when was the last time a superstar of this magnitude was acquired via trade. Like top three player in the league. Not not even like top five. You know what I mean? He's, like Tom even said in our group chat, like if you're starting your franchise with one player, who would it be? Giannis is probably number one for a lot of people. And then right after that is Anthony Davis or Kawhi Leonard. Uh, that's That's your short list right there if you're starting a franchise right now. So... Who are some of the top three players in the league <laughs> who've been acquired through a trade? Maybe Chris Paul back okay. in 2011. But, I mean, the package that they gave up for Chris Paul was sort of similar. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll list it out to you. They sent Eric Gordon, Chris Kamen, Al Farouk Aminu, Minnesota's unprotected 2012 first-round pick. And this was the deal after the Lakers already gave up Lamar Odom, Goran Dragic, uh, I forgot who else was in that deal, that three-team deal with the Rockets, right, right? where Powell was going to Houston. But, I mean, either way, whether it was that first package or the second package, like, they still gave up a haul for Chris Paul because by then, Eric Gordon was, I think, a sophomore who had averaged about 16 points his first year, Mm -hmm. you know? And Chris Kamen was solidifying himself as a really solid big man. Yeah, he'd been an all-star. Farouk Amino (laughs) was a lotto pick. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, I guess, if you're talking about legit superstars Chris Paul back in 2011 might be the closest one to it um you can say Kevin Love but I like with regards to the um, the stature that Anthony Davis holds in terms of just his 
the freakishness of his skill set and his length and height and everything like that, it's hard to really think of a player like that who was only 26. Because I think back in 2011, what, Chris Paul's 34, now you can do the math. Yeah, I guess he was around the same age. He was 26. But Chris Paul, I mean, as great as Chris Paul was... And he did usher in Lob City. He's also just, you know, he's a smaller player. Right, right. As you said, like, these things don't happen off. This is literally, like, once in a decade, right? Because Chris Paul is eight years ago. Um, I I mean, the fact that we salvaged, again, one player from the young core who some would argue, maybe not us, but some would argue that of B.I., Zoe, and Kuz, that he has the highest upside, right? Um, again, I'm not saying that we would, uh, agree with that statement, but some do think that's the case. So did we overpay? Yeah, perhaps on paper. I mean, like you said, it was a lot to give up and it's, some would say we're mortgaging our future and and things like that. But, um, no, at the end of the day, I think if, what are we saying if this deal never happens? (laughs) Right. So the opposite goes down and Oh, like no deal. They're asking for way too much. It's unreasonable, stuff like that. Okay, well, what were they asking for? Oh, all these different picks and pick swaps, blah, blah, blah. Then I think people are saying, wow, Palenka, like you're an idiot. You just give that (laughs) stuff up. It's freaking Anthony Davis, you know? So, yeah, no matter what, it just depends on your perspective and whatever your agenda is that you're trying to communicate. So I'm cool with it. No, that's fair, and we'll definitely get into that in tonight's episode. Um, With that said, we'll take it to break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about I guess just some updates on the logistics of this trade. We'll go over the pick swaps and whatnot, and and also how the media and opposing fan bases have sort of overreacted. And again, kind of like the way that we got LeBron James last year, just trying to make Lakers fans feel bad for all of a sudden getting a Hall of Fame player. It's it's incredible. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll pitch it to our sponsors first, and then we'll catch you guys on the flippity flip. <laughs> All right, so some updates have come out with regards to this deal. Um, a lot of people are sort of freaking out because Wojnarowski came out and said that, you know, there's no definitive word on whether or not L.A. and New Orleans agreed to hold off on this trade till the Lakers make their signings. Because, again, if they if they sign their rookie that rookie would then have to wait 30 days and that would give the Lakers time to make all their free agent signings, whether it's a max player or just using up that 32.5, 32.7 million that they have at their disposal to build out a roster. Um, And then after that, they'd send Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the number four, the salary of the number four pick. And that would equate and amount to um, the outgoing salary needed to bring in Anthony Davis. Um, But, Wojnarowski has left the door open for the possibility that the Pelicans may just want the deal done on July 6th, which is when the moratorium ends. And if it's executed on July 6th, then at that point, Anthony Davis is going to eat into some of the Lakers cap space. And complicating that is Anthony Davis has a trade kicker that's worth about $4 million, which would increase his amount of money that would be coming into the Lakers books. So if the deal is executed on July 6th, the Lakers would only have about 23 million if Anthony Davis doesn't waive his trade kicker, 27 million if he's if he's willing to waive that trade kicker. And but if they decide to execute that deal July 30th or later, 
then the Lakers would be able to avail of that full seven to nine year max of $32 million. I think this is all just a technicality and Woj is literally just giving us the lay of the land because he himself has said that he doesn't definitively know. Now, maybe it's a problem that we also don't definitively know that they work this agreement out. But has that changed your opinion of the deal, Alan, where it's like, wait, did New Orleans somehow also give us that last one last gut punch (laughs) for good measure by saying, oh, yeah, and by the way, we want this deal done now, which will also eat into your cap space so that you can't get uh, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard type max. Uh, Are you a little bit bit afraid of that or are you more of the mindset that, you know, maybe they did work things out and it's all a matter of the Lakers will know whether or not they're able to sign a max player. And if they are able to sign a max player, they'll find a way to work that out with David Griffin, even if that means maybe they have to, you know, rework the trade package a little bit to appease him and and accommodate him with, with a little bit more give and take. I mean, my gut feeling is <clears throat> to just give benefit of the doubt that they knew everything, uh, you know, that's going on in terms of all that stuff. Like Tommy, again, he said within our group chats, I'll speak for him. Rob Palinka is a very smart guy. <laughs> and as Magic Johnson would have said, he really understands the CBA. And um, the fact that he is so smart and, you know, you could critique him on, you know, a myriad of things at this point. That's something that I don't think would have slipped by him that he would have overlooked or that he would be surprised by. Um, so you could call me biased or being overly optimistic or whatever, but I'm pretty sure he understood all the details um, of the deal. And if they know for sure that, you know, maybe there isn't a max guy coming, then yeah, you could point towards that. But I don't think we got bamboozled or like uh, blindsided by this at all. But again, I don't know. Maybe that's my Lakers, you know, optimism, purple and gold glasses being worn. Well, I mean, at the same time, you can't have it both ways with regards to it being the case that maybe the Lakers don't have a full max, but you hear on ESPN that the Lakers are planning to go after Kawhi Leonard, Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler. You know, it's like, how are they planning to do that if they don't have max cap space? Yeah, they're not stupid. (laughs) (laughs) At least not in this regard. Right? Maybe other ways they could be stupid, but... Yeah. And I mean... We're not going to go through all the cap minutia and details, but I think they have a pretty good idea of who, at the very least, has has them on their radar. Uh, it's at least Kawhi, the- you know. It's <laughs> at least Kawhi. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how he sounded today. It it just wasn't the same Kawhi. Sorry. Couldn't recreate it. Um, (laughs) I'm a fun guy. (laughs) Uh, No, but I mean, to get back to the topic, yes, I don't think this is a deal breaker. Um, Obviously, the Lakers would love to have as much cap space as possible. Now, on the one hand, you might say Clutch probably doesn't want Anthony Davis to waive his $4 million trade kicker. But, I mean, if that's what's impeding the Lakers from really building out a roster, because let me tell you, they got to build out a roster. Currently, they have maybe three or four players if you include Caruso, (laughs) you know? So I have to think that Anthony Davis would be willing to do that and the Lakers would pay it forward or pay it back to Clutch 
on Anthony Davis's next deal when he signs an extension with them in 2020. You know, there are workarounds to this thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm not overreacting to this at all, even though some people love to. That's okay. Well, let's talk about overreaction by the media and the about faces that people are taking with regards to this Lakers package. And oh my goodness. I mean, we all saw this coming when the New Orleans Pelicans fan base were just poo-pooing the Lakers package, even from back in February and saying, what kind of garbage is this? And then all of a sudden, when the trade happens, everybody's valuing what Lonzo Ball can bring to the table and what Brandon Ingram can bring to the table. All of a sudden, he's super healthy. The number four pick, what that can get them, even though the Lakers clearly weren't able to find someone who'd take that number four pick and turn it into like a solid, tangible player. And oh my goodness, the pick swaps, the pick swaps. Is this another Brooklyn Celtics debacle? And okay, I I just want to get out ahead and say that There is risk involved, okay? Anytime you hand over four or five years worth of control to another team, regardless of how good you think your team is going to be, there's risk there, right? I mean, Anthony Davis is young. He's only 26. But as we've seen from the Golden State Warriors, anything can happen in this league. As we've seen from our own team this past year with LeBron James going down and then Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram going down, you can turn from a playoff contending team to one in the lottery pretty quickly. Yeah, and it could be to, to the fault of no one. So there is risk with all those pick swaps. But I think it's gone too far the other way where people are, are really channeling the, the Celtics-Brooklyn deal as a point of reference. And immediately, as is the case with opposing fan bases, already putting the Lakers on a trajectory towards the worst case scenario. Now, given that we just came out of a season that hit the worst-case scenario on many, (laughs) many accounts, I don't blame them. But at the same time, it would be nice to have a little more objectivity in play where it's like, we just got a Hall of Fame player. Maybe don't put a wet towel or wet blanket over it and let us enjoy it for just a second. You know what I mean? Hate us because they ain't us. (laughs) Hate us because they ain't us. Exactly. (laughs) They peanut butter and jelly. Okay. Uh, let me quickly go over again the first round picks that were, were given up. Obviously, we gave up the number four pick. Alan, really quickly, who are you looking at for that number four pick if the Lakers had picked it? Oh, between Garland and Culver? That's tough, dude. Uh, what is your What was your heart telling you at the very last second? Oh, shoot, man. Culver. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, Culver's gone. But, dude, the cra- I just – I really didn't marry myself. to. I did not commit. I was super noncommittal. I was super flaky on Good all of them, you. dude. Like, all the videos and stuff you were posting and whatever, I glossed over <laughs> a lot of them because I was like, I'm going to will this to happen. I'm not going to care about any of these dudes because they ain't coming here anyway. Hey, well, you're, you're a winner in that regard. So Or lazy. <laughs> um, number four pick is gone. And then the first pick that the Lakers are losing is potentially their 2021 first-round pick. And that one, I called Palinka a kinky mother effer because nobody does this protection in this way where he's giving the Pelicans that pick if it falls within number one or number eight. Otherwise, the Lakers keep it. So what that means is even if the Lakers are, say, not a playoff team somehow in year two of Anthony Davis' tenure as a Laker, let's say they get the number 13 tank seed they would likely still keep that. The only way they don't keep that is if it jumps into the top four. 
And at that point, it's a low likelihood, even though we saw some craziness happen this past year. So if everything shakes out right and we just have a healthy Anthony Davis and a healthy LeBron James, we are going to keep our 2021 first round pick because that only goes to New Orleans if it lands in the top eight. That's pretty kinky, dude. It's pretty kinky. I like it. (laughs) So if obviously that pick doesn't convey to New Orleans, which we don't think it will, then it goes on to the New Orleans are going to get our 2022nd unprotected first when Anthony Davis is 29. So that's the first pick where it's like, okay, if we have a disastrous season, then all hell could break loose. But I mean, Anthony Davis is only 29. So if he's healthy, I doubt it. 2023. Doesn't that sound really far away? by the way, tangent. <laughs> it does, but it's only it's only three years away. It's great. I have like no concept. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2023, the Pelicans have a pick swap with the Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis is going to be 30 years old, but I still think that's him hitting his prime, especially as a big man. And, you know, there, there could be, I don't know, if by 2023 you think the New Orleans Pelicans are on a playoff trajectory, I mean, look, they got a good haul. Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart are going to ball out for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're a 35, 30 to 35 win team next year, if not better, alongside Drew Holiday, right? So by 2023, maybe they are a playoff team and we're kind of fighting with each other to gain footing in the Western Conference. So they have that pick swap in 2023. I still don't think they'll end up using that pick swap. So if we're able, if they don't employ that device in 2023, it doesn't carry over. The last pick that they have is a 2024 unprotected first when Anthony Davis is 31. If they don't like that pick, they also have the option to defer that pick to 2025. But in layman's terms, it boils down to the Lakers are giving up one unprotected first in 2022, a pick swap in 2023, and another unprotected first in either 2024 and 2025. Look, that's a lot to give up, especially when a team like New Orleans has all these weird, kinky ways that they can, you know, kind of control your destiny or control your fate based off of how well they're doing as a team as well. You're kind of in their control. Anytime that happens, it is risky. But with that said, Alan, what are your thoughts about giving up all those picks? And do you compare it similarly to the Boston-Brooklyn scenario? (laughs) Okay, so let's go through the differences and why you don't think that it's... uh, it's that similar. Do I have to say how old all those guys were? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> They're so old, dude. KG, Paul Pierce, Jason Terry, give me a freaking break. They're so old. They were freaking like They're on their last 36. legs, dude. You know? After like long playoff runs, too. It's freaking apples and oranges, I swear. Well, and also they literally that that first season that they were Brooklyn Nets, Paul Pierce averaged 13 points. And Kevin Garnett averaged six points. And then I think they were both jettisoned off shortly after that in year two or year three. So even that experiment, they didn't even keep both for very long. Uh, it, it bottomed out pretty quickly. So there are contextual points as to how Boston was able to gain such high picks from, from Brooklyn, you know? And in this scenario, like I said, yes, an injury can happen at any point. But if the Lakers are able to fill out their roster with a third star... Kyle Kuzma continues to develop and LeBron James is healthy. That's a a lot of pessimistic what ifs that you have to check off for the Lakers in order to peg them down as a as a tank team again, you know? Yeah. Added on top of it that the Lakers will be fully aware that New Orleans has their unprotected first and will try and do everything in their power whether it be trades within the season to make sure that doesn't happen, right? Even for the optics of it. 
But yeah, I guess what are your thoughts about people comparing the two situations and trying to put this wet blanket over the Anthony Davis deal and overemphasize and overglorify these future picks? For me, I think it's like recency bias, right? Because the Brooklyn and Boston deal is the most recent memory we have of things just going haywire and in such a, in such spectacular fashion that's that's the one we want to point to is there a pick swap involved oh my god that's like the brooklyn <laughs> that's like the brooklyn boston debacle isn't it without without actually contextualizing things properly but yeah i guess i guess what are your thoughts about people who are just over glorifying this this pick sushi boat that <laughs> <laughs> i love sushi boats dude <laughs> The sushi boat of future picks that the New Orleans Pelicans apparently got. While while also understanding, yes, there is risk involved. I think a lot of people, and it's so crazy, just because he's a Laker, so many people are diminishing how good or how great Anthony Davis is. Like, I've heard some people argue, well, he's never even been on, like, a deep playoff run before, you know? And they start asking, raising questions about his health and almost coming off like, well, Anthony Davis is really good, but is he, like, that good? And had he gone to a different team, you know, like, if Portland had acquired him, granted, of course, the deal is different, whatever, but people wouldn't be questioning how impactful Anthony Davis is to a basketball team. Um, So that's another thing that's been crazy is diminishing his value based on his career thus far, elevating our young cores all of a sudden that was such trash and garbage and stuff like that. And now they're saying New Orleans is New Orleans is going to be one of the most exciting teams in the NBA bright future, blah, 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 blah. No one ever said the Lakers had a bright future with those exact same guys. Um, (laughs) It's so freaking ridiculous, but it's funny at this point. It's just very, it's, it's funny to me, you know, it doesn't even get my goat. (laughs) It doesn't grind my gears whatsoever. Um, it's almost like you're saying how we should all listen to Bill Simmons podcast and kind of his take on what's going on with the Lakers and just for pure entertainment sake, like, yeah, I kind of want to listen to him go on and on about um, how we got shafted basically. So yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, but it it actually doesn't bother me too much anymore. I'm pretty numb to it. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point you just have to get used to the fact that Opposing teams in the media are always going to flip-flop their narratives to fit an anti-Lakers bias, essentially. Because like you said, if they hadn't done this deal, they would say, can't believe you didn't give up everything to get Anthony Davis. They did this deal, and it's like, the Lakers have just given up the most ridiculous package in NBA history to get Anthony Davis, and now they put themselves at risk for, if one injury happens, it could all fall apart, you know? Yeah. Without enough time spent on the fact that what if it works out? <laughs> you know, what if it moderately works out? Yeah. It, it, imme- it immediately goes to the worst case scenario and they feed off of that and, and go on tangents about more worst case scenarios that the Lakers could face, you know? And, and for me, it's like, does that ever happen to other teams? Dude, I was just thinking and I'm thinking across I'm, I'm thinking across sports. Like, would this happen in football? You know, like if, I mean, I guess there's a lot of hate for the Dallas Cowboys. And people would figure out ways to diminish any good that Jerry Jones would do for that team. 
right? And there would be a lot of what if scenarios, um, looking at history, recency bias, all that stuff to, um, discount whatever good the Dallas Cowboys, you know, might do for their team. And they're a pretty hot mess, that organization. So <laughs> I think that's like the one team that I could even think of. Cause they, I feel like that wouldn't happen to the Yankees in baseball. Um, definitely not in the NBA. It's just the Lakers. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's great being a Laker fan, dude. It's fun. The ways people exaggerate and hyperbolize the demise that could happen to the Lakers while brushing off the fact, I like how they're able to qualify all of their negative pessimism on the Lakers by starting their sentence off by, yeah, yeah, Anthony Davis is a Hall of Famer and him and LeBron James will mesh very well and they'll probably contend really soon. But what if, what if <laughs> it's like you gave us 30 seconds of like what potentially could be a good thing and then spend the next 15 minutes on, on a rabbit hole, a dark rabbit hole of all the ways this could go wrong. And it's just like, where's the objectivity anymore? You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. But at the same time, like, like you, I've learned to sort of, even though my voice and the tone of my voice may not make it seem like I've calmed down, I've sort of been able to relax a little bit more. We've, we've all matured. <laughs> we've all matured. And also I've been humbled by the last year because we were we went through this last year and getting frustrated by people who were saying, these guys aren't going to make the playoffs. What if LeBron James gets hurt? And like pretty much all those worst case scenarios happen, right? So I was like, eh, you know, if they think that, then they can think that because it, it could happen. Yeah. But as a Lakers fan, I'm going to always choose to look at it from a, a glass half full perspective. Yep. Okay. So let's let's end this show, Alan, talking about the Lakers roster and the fact that, you know, one way or another, they do only have four or five players, depending on whether Jamario Jones is kept, whether Mo Wagner is kept, or Isaac Bonga. Isaac Bonga and Mo Wagner may be moved unceremoniously to free up more cap space. Um, but with regards to how they fill out this roster, this is another point of contention that the outside media is sort of um, over-hyperbolizing and exaggerating the doomsday scenario for the Lakers, even though it is a serious thing. Like, the Lakers this year are a more extreme case of like LeBron James Miami Heat team, their Cavs team of having to they they at least had I think more pieces in place than we do now where it's literally not just four players, you know what I mean? Um so I think we're a more extreme example of like okay, look, if we don't get a max guy or even if we do get a max guy, okay, that's our fifth guy. We then literally have to fill out the rest of our roster with one the room exception of 4.7 million and then everybody else is going to have to be vet exception minimums. So for you, are you a little bit worried about that aspect of things and the roster building aspect of things. Also keeping in mind the way that Rob Palinka kind of screwed things up last <laughs> year. And also because, you know, we'll have to pencil in Rajon Rondo and potentially <laughs> potentially Carmelo Anthony as well. But from that end, how worried are you about the Lakers having to on the fly sort of build this roster from the ground up around Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Kyle Kuzma? You just got to hope as an organization, we learned from our mistakes last year. <laughs> Um, I would definitely say that I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll put a very solid team together that, uh, can fit the needs of everyone who's currently on the roster. Um, yeah, last year was not a good indicator of us being able to, um, you know, understand who compliments who and that sort of thing. But, uh, I, I will say that is one area that gives me slight pause. And I'm kind of holding my breath, you know, with regards to 
oh boy, you know, let's see who, uh, what Rob Palinka thinks would create a successful team. Um, I mean, Magic Johnson said plenty of times, even though he's not with us anymore, that, well, I learned from my mistakes and he admitted some of the errors that he made. So let's just hope that uh, Rob can do the exact same thing and maybe lean on some other, you know, basketball minds within the organization to make those calls. And by all accounts, it sounds like, you know, Frank Vogel really wants to be a big part of that and perhaps they'll actually listen to him. I'm not saying that he has some sort of strong acumen with regards to putting a team together, but, you know, during his press conference, he was saying how um, everybody needs to be communicating with each other, be on the same page and things like that. So if anything like that fresh voice can give uh, Mm -hmm. some Laker fans a little bit more optimism, but yeah, if there's anything I'm kind of like, Ooh, about that, that would probably be it. Now, are you preferring that the Lakers are able to get a third max guy, or would you rather they replenish their depth by splitting that up between two or three solid role player types like a Nikola Miritich or a Dwayne Dedman, um, JJ Redick, guys like that? Or is there like a line you draw where it's like, okay, if if we're getting to like the Jimmy Butler, or let's not even put Jimmy. If we're getting to the Kemba Walker, Nikola Vucevic, Chris Middleton line, maybe then I'd prefer to divvy it up. Or yeah, is there is there a line for you with regards to? Yeah, I, I'd always prefer the max guy until we get we cross this threshold. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think there's a line. I think there are some players that I would really like to have that are not the premier um, max guys. Like I think Kemba, I'd be totally happy with Kemba. Um, as far as where I draw the line after that. Uh, I haven't given it enough thought, <laughs> I guess. But um, yeah, if you told me we max Chris Middleton, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> like that's a <laughs> lot of money for Chris Middleton, dude. I don't know. Maybe we could have divvied up that money a little bit differently, you know. Um, so, I mean, one good thing, you know, copycat league, you hear it all the time. Did a super team just win the championship? No, of course, super unique situation with Golden State. But I don't know. I mean. Even if Golden State were at full health, I still think Toronto puts up a pretty good fight, you know, with just Kawhi. And then you have Kyle Lowry as number two. So if we have Anthony Davis and LeBron, do you really need that third max dude? Um, yeah, if it's a, if it's a legit max guy that we're all cool with, then obviously I'm fine with that. But, uh, that line is, it exists somewhere for sure. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure where yet though. Yeah, I think for me, the Chris Middleton, Nikola Vucevic, that's where it starts to get a little tricky. And I'd even, if he's willing to come back, I'd even go D'Angelo Russell over those guys, obviously taking him back, you know? And I think, okay, so this is something I want to bring up, but a part of me has wondered whether or not it might be, it might make more sense timeline-wise to pick D'Angelo Russell if he were willing to come back, big if, over Kemba Walker. Because I think that while you may be giving up a little something, a little more with regards to win now because D'Angelo Russell is still not that experienced. He has one playoff series under his belt. There's a case to be made that with D'Angelo Russell as opposed to Kemba Walker, you're still helping LeBron win now because he's proven to be able to put up all-star numbers. We'll see about longevity and consistency. But if he continues to pan out and continues to improve and stay on this trajectory that he's been on, since becoming a net, well, his timeline sort of lines up more perfectly with Anthony Davis, right? And if you want to ensure that we're not giving New Orleans, you know, picks in the future that are good, 
I mean, D'Angelo Russell in 2025, how old is he right now? He's going to be 28 by then, you know? that. Yeah, that's still his prime. Yeah, part of me is thinking, you know, if, if he was willing, maybe we take D'Angelo Russell over Kemba Walker. Again, that's a big if, but that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to the point, I think my line is that Chris Middleton, who I like to call Chris CP, because sometimes he reminds me of Casey. It's so sad that we had to see that in the playoffs because before, (laughs) dude, I used to be like, oh man, I really like watching Chris Middleton play, blah, blah, blah. And then you pointed that out. I mean, we all saw for ourselves too, like, oh, some of your decision-making boy. shot selection, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in in theory, right? Just like in theory, before we knew who KCP was, it's like, hey, that's the kind of guy you want next to LeBron, right? Like a good three-point shooter, defensive-minded, let's do this. And then you actually watch him play and you're like, oh, wait, does he just get hot a few games and then the next few games he thinks he's really good, so he takes ill-advised shots? Uh-oh. <laughs> and obviously, like, we all know Chris Middleton is better than KCP. Yeah, like, yes, we're not trying true. to say that they are the same player at all. So don't go hating on us using, like, one of our comparisons. But, uh, <laughs> no, I think at the same time, if we can look at things objectively, there were times in the playoffs where Chris Middleton was uh, just looked a little, like, too caught up in the moment up in his own head kind of thing. So maybe experience will solve that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think I cut it off right there. If we're looking to give Chris Middleton or Vucevic a max, I'd then say, hey, can we just turn this around and give Brooke Lopez, Nikola Meritic, JJ Redick? Let's split it up between those three players, right? Shooting, 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 shooting. (laughs) Or let's go after Patrick Beverly, who it seems like he's giving people hints. Yeah, dude. I just saw some of those tweets right before we started recording. The big one was it's just business, not personal or something. Yeah, and like him giving the the big googly eyes and saying, yeah, I heard this is the thing. You know, so Patrick Beverly would be the perfect fit next to LeBron James and probably would only probably would only cost like seven to nine million dollars. And you saw him with the Clippers. He was sort of their heart. He's a catalyst for sure. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You need those types. I actually ended up liking him (laughs) in the playoffs. I've (laughs) never liked him until like just the last few months. Yeah, no, totally. Um, So I, I think at that point, I'd rather divvy it up to those guys Seth Curry Dwayne Dedman oh please um, yes and and I, we have more I at least I have more specific combos that I've kind of charted out that we'll get to in, in a uh, in a future episode so I don't want to go too deeply into it but yeah with that said I think that's where my line is drawn and even after that I think a guy like DeAndre Jordan is not going to command the full max I mean he didn't even command it this last year with Dallas you know he took a one-year 23 million dollar offer right and so even if you get a guy like DeAndre at, let's say you can convince him to come for 16 to 18 million, like that would be great. I don't know how the fit would work, but can you imagine? That's the longest ass front court I've ever seen <laughs> in my life between him and Anthony Davis. Yeah. You know? That would be absurd. And then we retain JaVale McGee and we just have like these long <laughs> alien arms. We have these guys from the movie Annihilation. I don't know if anybody's watched Annihilation, but but the aliens, they're just like freaking long. You know, sadly, I thought about Brandon Ingram too. I was like, oh, and we, oh, uh, yeah, that, oh that's wait. True. Oh, no, <laughs> oh, he's sad. no longer here. Um, so, I mean, the Lakers have a lot of options. It, it's all about, you know, how much do you trust Rob Palenka's judgment right now? It's totally fair if you don't give him the benefit of the doubt. I think I'm cautiously optimistic at this point, like you said, because one, hopefully he he can learn from his mistakes. Two, Magic Johnson's not there to impede his decision making. You know, I think a lot of the moves last year, you could sense and and tell that they had a they had Magic Johnson's fingerprints on them. You know, (laughs) his fingerprints on his phone tweeting basically about different players. (laughs) Well, yes, a good point. So so hopefully with all that out of the way, that Rob Plink will have a 
clearer canvas, bl- a more blank canvas to work with, and hopefully he can be a little bit smarter with his moves. We'll have to see. One thing I, I wanted to point out with regards to getting veteran guys to come, I don't think it can be understated the pull that LeBron James had and the benefit that we're getting that with regards to the fact that LeBron James has kind of been a renegade and jumped jumped to multiple super teams, right? Like, I know there's only been two with regards to Miami Heat and um, the Cleveland Cavaliers, but if you even look at his first iteration with the Cavs, like, LeBron establishes, like, a unique bond with his teammates. To this day, like, Damon Jones is, like, LeBron's BFF, you know, because he made Damon Jones into a name back then. James Jones is still really tight with with LeBron James because he kept getting that dude paid. I don't think it can be understated that guys that LeBron has played with in the past or has connections to, the Iman Shumperts of the world, the J.R. Smiths of the world, those guys will want to come back and play for a ring and play for LeBron. So I think on that end, I, I don't think the Lakers will have a shortage of mercenary veteran exception type guys who can still be useful in this stage and, and point of their career. I mean, we can pretty much already pencil Trevor Ariza in, like I said. Unfortunately, Rajon Rondo, Rajon Rondo as well. But outside of that, there there are some useful guys that LeBron has played with in the past. Iman Shumpert, like I said, maybe George Hill will come after he gets waived by whichever team or after he gets waived by the Bucks because they need to free up money. So I'm not too worried with regards to LeBron being able to recruit those veteran exception type guys, especially if they're able to get that max guy in a Kemba Walker. So are you of the same sentiment? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and one thing that should be working in the Lakers' favor that I said in the last episode is, like, there are roles up for grabs, like, literally. So even if these guys have to pay for less, they'll know I'm not playing. I won't have to worry about playing or competing against Alonzo Ball or a Brandon Ingram because these slots are legitimately open, you know? If all I wanted was a chance to get minutes and show or even in a tryout year for other teams, they'll have that opportunity on the Lakers, and that should hopefully... That should hopefully balance things out with regards to them having to take a pay cut. Um, And also, you have to take into account the clutch dynamic. Um, If guys like Nerlens Noel get pinched out by the market again, or Markeith Morris, they may find a home with the Lakers to use this next year to be on a contending team, but also be a meaningful contributor to a contending team. Um, This is the, the episode before the draft, and it has somehow lessened in significance exponentially. <laughs> but Alan, please tell me about the second round picks that you have outlined for the Lakers to look at this Thursday. Dude, I can't tell you shit. <laughs> oh, wait, I want you I, I want you as a thought exercise to think very hard about any college draft prospect that you saw in the NCAA tournament that you think could be a second round oh prospect. God, Just as a thought really exercise. You put me on the spot here, dude. <laughs> oh my god. Uh <clears throat> dude I'm, I'm failing this i got nothing you're gonna have to edit this shit out <laughs> nope nope it's staying in okay so i'll help you out and I, and I and like full disclosure i i have not dug into the tape of any of these second rounders i know bits and pieces of what i'm Rui hachimura from... just kidding that, dude, guy's, that guy's a lot yeah i know <laughs> yeah kyle guy yeah there you go hey, tell us about kyle guy uh, alan tell us about kyle guy he doesn't look like he belongs in the nba but uh he was pretty damn clutch in the uh championship game that's kyle guy from virginia six three shooting guard hit those clutch free six, throws three? to get them he's only six three huh, yeah. he seemed taller oh he's just super lanky uh but he hit those clutch free throws for virginia to put them into the title game right yeah, yeah, yeah. um 
averaged 15 points, shot 42% from three. So if the Lakers are looking for, you know, somewhat of a Svima Kailu replacement, they could go there. Oh, rip. And <laughs> I know they could use a Svima Kailu or a Thomas Bryant. But, well, uh, we know we where we can do, find but... Svi, literally. Yeah, in Redondo Beach. <laughs> yeah, uh, LA Fitness. The LA Fitness that uh, Tommy goes to, as you've seen from our Twitter. Hey, but Alan, you know, with regards to the, the filling out the roster, the Lakers are going to need some healthy bodies that can just they can just put in are you predicting that the lakers are going to maybe buy a second round pick especially based off of all the workouts they've had yeah i mean it's pretty much been jared culver and i think it's (laughs) yeah taco fall exactly i mean it seems like they're veering in that direction so will you be surprised if they try to maybe even flip an isaac bongo for a second round pick because second round picks don't count against german magic johnson though dude Um, would I be surprised? No, especially with our scouting department and all that kind of stuff. Like you said, they already put in so much work into second rounders, especially probably kind of knowing what was going to happen with, uh, all this Anthony Davis stuff. So no, I wouldn't be surprised by that, which means I guess I should start doing my research. <laughs> you should. I mean, I think honestly, at this point, I, I think it's a certainty that the Lakers buy their way into yeah. the second round. And just for reference, these are the teams that have multiple second round picks that probably won't be using all of them up. The Philadelphia 76ers have four second rounders, 33, 34, 42, and 54. The Lakers probably could buy one of those for $2 million, $3 million in cash. So look for them to maybe try and, uh, engage the 76ers in some sort of negotiation and trade for a second rounder. Atlanta also has two second rounders outside of their three first round picks. (laughs) They have 35 and 41. I doubt they're going to use five picks to pick, you know, all those select all those players, even if some of them are draft and stashes. I know the Phoenix Suns, they don't even want to keep their number six pick because they, they want to build a more competitive environment around Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton as soon as possible because they've sort of been um, swimming in this pool of mediocrity for too long and they want to try and get more established guys. So I could see them even flipping their 30, I mean, their number 32 second round pick for cash or maybe like a future pick or something. So we'll see if that happens. Um, So yeah, Philadelphia and Atlanta are the two teams to look at with regards to teams that the Lakers could engage to extract a second rounder from them. Um, I'm just going to run through a list of guys. I don't really, I don't have any extensive detail on them, but Alan, you know, this guy, 6'11", John T. Porter from Mizzou, Uh, his brother, Kevin Porter Jr. Not Kevin, sorry, not Kevin Porter Jr. Um, What's his name? Michael Michael Porter Porter Jr. Sorry. I mean, it's it's a question whether or not he can even play in the NBA anymore. And John St. Porter retore his ACL that he was rehabbing from back in March. Oh, so man. he's a huge injury concern. But because of that, you can get him in the second round maybe. And if the Lakers are willing to take a chance, John St. Porter is one of the smartest big men in college basketball. He's like a Nikola Jokic, Boris Diaw in terms of high basketball IQ. His passing acumen is ridiculous. He can shoot the ball from the outside and... Again, sometimes he reminds me of Alonzo Ball, just the reads he makes on the floor. So if the Lakers want to take a chance on that injury risk, Jonte Porter, there's a 6'5", Daquan Jeffries, athletic dude. He's also a good three-point shooter and continuing to grow in that area. Very athletic. I think he won the dunk contest. He's kind of Norman Powell-esque to me. That's a name to look look for. Uh, Seven-foot Marcus Bolden out of Duke. He has a seven-foot-five wingspan. Woo! Damn. And the Lakers actually worked him out, so they already know about him. He aver- he only averaged five points, five rebounds, but he did also swat 
1.7 balls in 19 minutes. So if the Lakers are looking just for one of those garbage type big men who can rough it up, draw some fouls and, you know, use his length. I mean, maybe Marcus Bolden is one of those guys. Um, Kyle Guy, you already mentioned. <laughs> Good job, Alan. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also this guy that the Golden State Warriors have, have been trying to hide in the G League oh, yeah, with their Santa Cruz Warriors. Alan, and this one's A-L-E-N. So Wrong. <laughs> get it right. <laughs> Alan Smilagic. I don't know how to say that that's, name. That's correct. But Alan Smilagic, 18-year-old Serbian player who was drafted actually by the South Bay Lakers, but who ended up playing for the Santa Cruz Warriors. He's a big man who can play down low, has really good soft touch, but he can also shoot away from the basket. I think he's intriguing just because he's so young and he has this tantalizing length and skill set. It's kind of like a typical Euro big man skill set. And obviously just the attachment with the Warriors and them trying to hide him from the rest of the league creates intrigue in and of itself. So maybe the Lakers can look at that guy. There's Carson Edwards. You know Carson Edwards out of Purdue? Yeah. Six foot guard. He has a very sparkling resume, actually. But he's one of those classic older upperclassmen prospects, you know, who Mm -hmm. has a pretty good floor, but very low ceiling because he's older. But I mean, he averaged 24.3 points, 3.6 rebounds, 2.6 assists. Classic Josh Hart, Shabazz Napier, Jalen Brunson type prospect. Um, There's Daniel Gafford, 6'10 center, 7'2 wingspan from the Arkansas Razorbacks. He averaged 17 points, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks. Very long, lanky, and athletic. Uh, Doesn't shoot free throws well, can't really stretch the floor. But again, if you're looking for one of those garbage-type players who can give you a burst of energy, he could be a prospect that the Lakers look at too. Um, And then lastly, there's this guy named Luka, another Luka, Luka Samanich. Samanich? Luka Samanich. I don't know. (laughs) Turkey Samanich, please. You you could literally be just making up names at this point. And I'd be like, yeah, 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 that guy. I'm going to say it's Luka Samanich. He's a Euro forward out of Croatia. 6'11", combo power forward, only 19 years old. He's smart, has a high basketball IQ. He's a big who can stretch the floor and plays within the flow of an offense. So maybe he's a homeless man's Jokic. We'll see. Lastly, like Alan said, Taco Fall. Taco Tuesday! Seven foot seven taco fall with an eight foot two wingspan. <laughs> Bro- <laughs> Broke records at the combine, 289 pounds. He averaged 11 points, eight rebounds, 2.6 blocks, and shot 75% from the field. <laughs> Again, if you, if you were like visiting Earth from another planet and you saw that guy <laughs> and then you saw Boban Marjanovic, you would say those are clearly the two best players in the NBA. Those are the leaders of Earth, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, Taco Fall could be our Boban. It's questionable whether or not he can even run the floor and how many minutes can he actually play in an NBA game. But if you're looking for him to just be Taco Tall for like five minutes, <laughs> then I'm sure he can do that. Taco Fall, Faco Tall. <laughs> I'm, sure people, I'm sure people will make that audible dyslexic mispronunciation a lot but uh yeah we'll see i honestly again i don't know a lot of these second round prospects i all i know is i'm certain the lakers are going to buy their way into the second round and there's a lot of intrigue with this this year's draft i expect a lot of movement to happen um just people just reconfiguring and because it's a weaker draft people moving up moving down and you know there's there's a lot of intrigue with regards to what the new orleans pelicans do with the number four pick 
Are they going to keep it? Yeah, that's are true. Are they going to try and trade down? Are they going to try and get a younger all-star if that's even available to them? Um, what do the Boston Celtics do with their three picks? They're, are they going to use all of those picks up? That'd be hilarious. I hope they do. <laughs> More Ger- Gershon Yabusele's and uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. RJ Hunters and James Young's of the world. Yeah, I'd love for them to, to continue to try and do that. So. Yeah, the draft is happening, but, you know, it doesn't matter for us as much. Just look out for the second-round picks. And we have Anthony Davis, Allen, the brow. Whoop, whoop. And it's it's a new day. It's a new era. And we'll continue to talk Ba-ba-ba. about it into the summer. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, yeah, we're glad to have Allen back. Not as busy with uh, his Taiko Thursday. Taiko But, yeah, uh, we will have a free agency episode coming up as well. And then shortly after that, all hell breaks loose at 6 p.m. on June 30th, <laughs> next Sunday. With that said, Alan, any last words? Uh, nah, dude. It's good to be back. It's fun talking Lakers, fun thinking positive things about them. No more stupid drama and all that crap. It's refreshing to just like talk about basketball and not a, a soap opera. Yep, absolutely. Uh, with that said, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, Alan, do you have anything? That's how many more Taco Tuesdays you're going to have on Tuesdays. <laughs> and Taco Taco Tuesdays. It's like a combo. <laughs> Can you imagine that being a thing with LeBron and AD where there's like taco bell but also taiko drums like at the practice facility (laughs) and this is their bonding experience and dude if we if we can somehow get rui hachimura then you know that would be perfect (laughs) (laughs) it would be perfect um with that said thank you guys for listening alan welcome back thank you sir we will catch you guys next time anthony davis anthony davis golf clap All right, Alan, catch you later. All right, dude, later. Peace. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.